This is a podcast from Rover. Welcome back to part two of Rural Exchange. Uh, of course, the podcast, so good. They play it on the radio today. If you may be listening, 6 to 8 a.m. Saturday and Sundays, we're here with Carter's Tyres. Go and check them out at carterstires.co.nz. Get all your tyre requirements sorted. They are simply the best. Well, we're heading to Wellington now to catch up on the week in politics in the hot seat this week. Barbara Kuriger, of course, uh, out of the uh, well, out of uh, the mighty Taranaki, and of course, Nationals Agriculture spokesperson. And it's uh, welcome back onto the show, Barbara. How are you traveling? Well, yeah, traveling really well. Actually, in the heart of the Waikato today, um, yep. doing a few jobs at the top end of the electorate. So, yep. um, yeah, no, traveling well. And uh, look, there's lots of things at the moment that are full on discussion. Never been so busy, but it's so excited about the potential. To hopefully at some time in the near future make a difference. Yeah. Hey, Barbara, just first of all, though, too, um, speaking to sort of the the northern parts of your region, some very sad news out of there this week with the real, uh, the loss of a real local identity. Yeah, you know, every town has its uh, classic people and the Haddad brothers. I mean, they are Otrahonga. Um, you know, that shop is amazing. You have to squeeze down the aisles. They have specials business that's been in, in place for 50, near close to 60 years, still use the old Gestetner for making their newsletters and things. Great <laughs> oh. guys. For people that don't know them, they both wear a, a, a great sort of cowboy hat at work and they are just, they are icons of Otrahonga and absolutely sad and thinking of the, not just the family in this situation, but the whole town's going to be affected by this. But I'm told the shop's still open. So, you know, yeah. when you're open for business, you're open for business. Yeah, yeah, no, very yeah. sad news indeed. Hey, um, let's uh, go for, way down south to Southland now. And yeah. uh, the Minister is refusing to back down on the winter grazing rules or delay it till next season. What wow. impact do you see this is having on uh, on farmers? Oh, it's a really silly situation, right? So first of all, he brings out unworkable rules, which we have a great debate about. And then sends them back up to the top. Um, they twink them a little bit, and now we find that they're not even ready for um, anyone to do any regulatory process to fulfil their requirements to record them. And so, you know, you get to the stage where, actually, if you're going to propose something, you might as well actually have it ready to go. And, look, everything Parker touches at the moment is just turning to custard, and the Kiwi Saver tax was another part of that. I... I think the problem that this government has got and something that I'm very keen to see us move away from is let's stop being so damn prescriptive and complicated and complex and let's, you know, give the farmers a bit of value for their knowledge and say, hey, we want these outcomes achieved. But why would we put all those prescriptive, unworkable and now unrecordable rules? And so what's actually going to happen now, even if there's a break on the fact that they haven't got the system ready... Um, the farmers may still have to reply, apply for a resource consent to get their banking um, requirements done. So I, I just, you know, this is just getting silly. You reckon they're uh, sort of stumbling and tripping their way over their own stats and uh, ideologies, Barbara? Well, yeah, they don't live in the real world, right? And they don't run a business, so they don't understand how things work. And, you know, I mean, when they did the KiwiSaver tax thing, they came out and said... Uh, you know, one day later they withdrew it and we said, what's going on? Oh, well, the small providers said that they didn't like what we were doing. It's like, well, why didn't you go and talk to them before you did it, right? They just, not only have they not got the um, 
the skills in place to understand what they're doing, they're not actually asking the people that do have the skills how to do it well. We've seen that a lot in the farming uh, world, haven't we, with, um, you know, policy and uh, things being put out there and then going, having to go back, as you've alluded to, but it's becoming almost uh, habitual. Yes. Yeah, it's habitual, and it, and it just seems to keep coming. And I often wonder with these regulations, you know, is anyone actually down on the ground? I mean, the catchment groups are doing fantastic work. Um, Agreed. We just yeah. need to leave them alone and let them get on. Because I wonder if one regulation is actually complementary or contradictory to another one. Like they're just one off. And we've got to figure out how they all fit together at some point. And that's what the catchments do really well. So let's start, start from the bottom and go the other way. Yeah, we mentioned that with John Pemberton on the program yesterday, actually. That catchment model was proved very, very successful, and he's sort of looking at it from a Southland point of view in the same sort of uh, lens, if you like, when it comes to other aspects of, like, fresh water and things like that. And um, you can't discount the local knowledge, and and we made the point as well of the whole sort of one-size-fits-all scenario um, doesn't really apply. It's just too... It's just too different around various parts of the country, different climates, different uh, yeah. soils, terrain, you name it. It's all, yeah, blanket rules just don't work. It doesn't fit one catchment, right? Yeah. So from well, what I've it. seen, and I spent a bit of time with Joseph Mooney with Thriving Southland, who are running about something like 30 catchments, you know, and recording what's going on in each of them. But they're getting some of their technology now, showing them what's happening down to 10 square metres. Well, so one size doesn't fit one catchment. There's going to be mm. different parts of the catchment that are going to do do things slightly differently and that's okay but I think the other bonus of talking to the catchment groups is if a farmer is struggling, well first of all it involves the community but secondly if a farmer is having a struggle someone can knock on Mr or Mrs Farmer's door and say look I, you know, have you got a problem, can I help, can I get some information, what can I do the mental health and well-being of the farmers and some of those catchment groups is much better than it was because you're actually looking after each other rather than waiting for somebody coming to see if you've ticked all your boxes or not. Farmers just want to get their gumboots on and go and do the job. Well said. Um, Hamish, I was just having a look at uh, the international travel expenses by ministers, and I know you've just done a bit of international travel. Barbara, you're uh, dragging the chain. I think you only spent about 20k. Um, Minister for Primary Industries or Agriculture um, trumped you by about $300,000. Yeah. Well, yeah, I've had one overseas trip, uh, and he's, I mean, trade's important, so, you know, I don't uh, i don't hold anything against uh, Damon, and mind you, he's, he's actually spent a bit of time in MIQ over the last couple of years as well, but, um, look, I don't hold anything against any minister that's travelling for trade. Uh, or a, a decent purpose, but I mean, I'm, I'm, I was always a low-cost farmer, and I and I try to be a low-cost MP. Perhaps when I become a minister, I may have to spend a bit more. But but also, um, you know, I've got a house at each end of the electorate. I don't spend any more money on motels and things that I need to. You know, it's not costing the, the government any money for those things. I just I just charge my my mileage and my rental cars and things, you know. So I try to run it as effectively as I can, like I did uh, for my for the farms. But um, you know, it's it is important that that trade ministers travel. There yeah, you well go. Said. Well said. And uh, I like the way that you confidently, confidently, Barbara said, when I become a minister. Yes, I like yeah, that. I, I that did. I like yeah. that. No, no problem with that. 
happy with that. Well, there's lots of things, there's lots of things that I think our food and fibre sector, our farmers and growers need a lot uh, to do a lot differently than what is currently happening. And I am so passionate about being able to make change. That is where I want to be. I mean, no one ever guarantees that you're going to get in certain positions, but I would love the opportunity. There you go. Barbara Kuriger, National Agriculture Spokesperson, uh, coming to us from out of the northern uh, Waikato there. Uh, good to have uh, Barbara in the Yes Minister slot, the hot seat uh, this week on uh, Rex Rural Exchange. Hamish Mackay and uh, Dom George, your team.